Managing risk and protecting your profits on a dairy farm isn't always easy, but it's becoming increasingly more important to have a good understanding of milk markets to better protect your profits through more frequent volatile periods. Welcome to the Protecting Your Profits podcast, a brief monthly update where I will take a deeper dive into topics or trends that will help you better understand milk markets and risk management. I'm Zach Myers, Risk Education Manager for the Center for Dairy Excellence. Let's see what's happening this month. Welcome back to the Protecting Your Profits monthly podcast. As always, Zach is here to break down the national and statewide milk production numbers and share what markets look like right now. We also have some information about new COVID-19 relief payments that will soon be available to dairy farmers, as well as some dairy margin coverage changes. So are you ready, Zach? Yes, Emily, I sure am. Okay, let's get to it. So national milk production has grown year over year every month since April of 2021, and cow numbers have also been growing since January of 2020. So did that trend continue through July? Well, Emily, yes, it it certainly did. Milk production was up another 2.1% to uh, just over 19 billion pounds for the month of July, and that's 385 million more than than last July. Average U.S. cow, the average U.S. cow produced 14 pounds of milk more this July than than last year, which is uh, about uh, seven tenths of a percent more. And with that increase in production, the the average U.S. milk cow is now producing 74.7 pounds of milk per day, uh, compared to a year ago, which is a half pound half pound more of an increase. Cow numbers did uh, increase year over year. Uh, cow numbers have risen 130,000 head uh, from last year to uh, to 9.5 million in this past July. But the cow numbers were down month over month for the second month in a row. So uh, uh, from the standpoint of production and, and surplus milk, that's uh, 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 probably good news to most dairy farmers out there. So July had 3,000 less cows than June and uh, uh, 9,000 cows less than, than May of uh, this past year, of this year. Less cows and hot weather have slowed the growth rate in, in recent months. Uh, year-over-year growth so far this year capped out or topped out at 4.5% uh, in, in May. That slowed to a, a positive 2.9% in June, and then, of course, uh, this July production was up 2.1%. So even though we're still in a growth mode, uh, the growth seems to have uh, maybe slowed down a little bit, and, and a lot of that recently is driven by by the heat, uh, and especially uh, heat waves across much, much of, uh, of the western part of the state and the Midwest where, where a lot of the milk is produced in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I know it's pretty hot here right now, that's for sure. So, um, certainly is. Speaking, yeah. Speaking about Pennsylvania then, what about Pennsylvania? I remember from last month's podcast that the Pennsylvania herd size continued to shrink, but per cow milk production growth was not enough to keep the total Pennsylvania year-over-year production positive. So uh, how does it look this month? Yes, Emily, that uh, basic trend continued through July. Uh, Pennsylvania has lost 7,000 head of dairy cattle since last July. And uh, going back to December, December 2020 ended with 478,000 head, and in January, uh, uh, the January uh, 
Pennsylvania dairy cow number dropped to 475,000 head. So uh, so far this year, uh, through through the first seven months of the month of the year, um, Pennsylvania has been able to maintain that 475,000 head total. Milk production was basically flat. Um, it was positive, but only positive about uh, three tenths of a percent, and uh, and and maybe and just uh, two tenths of a pound more than last July. The average cow in Pennsylvania produced 1,780 pounds of milk this past uh, July, which is just five pounds more than last year, and is equivalent to about 66.7 pounds per day. With the drop in cow numbers and uh, and basically flat milk production, uh, total milk production this in July was 10.18 million pounds, and this is down about three tenths of a percent from last year. So, again, uh, the uh, slight increase in production per cow was not uh, a, uh, not able to offset the loss in cow numbers. Uh, from from last July, resulting in in uh, a drop in total Pennsylvania milk production. Well, how is the reduced growth rate in total milk production growth influencing dairy product production then? Well, some of these production numbers and stuff, this information coming out of the USDA is kind of difficult sometimes to to compare. June data is the is the most recent production uh, product production available currently. The July data will be available August 3rd after the uh, after the uh, uh, dairy products report is released. But uh, June butter and uh, uh, non-fat dry milk production were up 8% and 25% respectively. Cheese production in June was basically flat at uh, just uh, an increase of 0.2%. Butter uh, the Production was up 11.6 million pounds compared to last June, and 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 uh, was up, was equal to 161 million pounds. Non-fat dry milk was up 37 million pounds compared to last year to 185 million pounds. And then the slight increase in cheese uh, was was uh, 2.6 million pounds, uh, which um, um, which uh, made the total production 1.1 billion pounds. So looking at these numbers, there's a lot of surplus milk going into into powder with that uh, that pretty pretty big 25% uh, uh, increase in in, in uh, powder production. Well, as you mentioned, some of the data for July doesn't sound like it'll be available until August 3rd, and this delay in reporting does make it seem kind of odd that you know some of the inventory data prior to the actual production data. So what can you tell us about dairy product stocks? So on the stock side of the equation, Emily, uh, July product stock, stocks are available for butter and cheese, and then of course that non-fat dry milk uh, uh, inventory number will be available on August 3rd. So all three product categories are up relative to their respective timeframes. July butter and cheese are up 7% and 4% respectively, with uh, the butter stocks up 26 million pounds to over 397 million pounds total. Cheese stocks are up 58 million pounds to 1.45 billion pounds total. And then June uh, non-fat dry melt stocks were up 21% or uh, plus 60 million pounds to a total of 349 million pounds. 
so uh, as as you would would assume that increased national milk production is causing a buildup in inventory, especially on the powder side. That's good to know, Zach. How is dairy products demand affecting inventories? June dairy product disappearance is the most recent data until July results are released in mid-September. Uh, but uh, based on the June numbers, dairy product disappearance is mainly down. Butter, other style cheese, and non-fat dry milk plus skim milk powder were all down, whereas American style cheese was the only major category to post an increase. Butter disappearance was down 4%, mainly due to decreased domestic usage. The other style cheeses were down 2%, uh, mainly due to decreased domestic usage, but, also, but exports were also down. And then the non-fat non dry milk plus skim milk powder was down 21% uh, because of a near three-fold drop in domestic usage that overwhelmed my 7% increase in, in export totals uh, in that that month. American style cheese was up uh, a slight 3% and, and this was driven by increased domestic usage. So increased production, building inventories and decreased demand doesn't sound like a super good combination for better milk prices, but what do class three and four milk prices look like moving forward? Despite the uh, uh, increase in in production and and uh, building uh, dairy product stocks, the milk price actually seems to be moderating somewhat as of uh, uh, the last few weeks. The Class Three closing prices as of August 23rd uh, resulted in a 12-month average uh, being down just one cent uh, per hundredweight less than a month ago to $17.29. The class three low uh, based on those August 23rd closing prices was this August at $16.03. That jumps to $17.45 in September and then uh, levels out and trades into in the 1730s to 1750s through next July. Now on the class four side, uh, same August 23rd closing prices. The 12-month average was up four cents a hundredweight from a month ago to $16.39. The class four low is also August, and that is $15.75, and increases to the 1680s by next spring, where it levels out there through uh, July. The June class three and class four prices actually inverted for the first time in over two years. The class three closing price was announced as $16.49, whereas class four closing price for uh, July was $16.60 per hundredweight. So with the proximity in class three and class four prices, this is helping to keep uh, producer price differentials positive for the second month in a row. So the federal order uh, number one uh, uh, part of Pennsylvania, which would be the eastern part of the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, the PPD was $1.57, 100 weight, positive. And then in Federal Order 33, which is the western part of Pennsylvania, the PPD was a positive 76 cents, 100 weight. So uh, good news, even though Class 3 has come down a lot in the last couple of months, uh, at least that is uh, uh, helped to uh, stop the negative PPDs that we've seen and, and have caused a lot of issues over the last several months. So uh, I guess there's uh, 
there's positives and, and, and negatives to, to most things, and this, this happens to be the case here that uh, since Class 3 has come down, then the, neg the PPDs are in a lot more favorable territory than they were when, when Class 3 and Class 4 spread was, was really wide. Yeah, I guess that is a silver lining. Let's move now into exports. Um, exports have definitely been a bright spot in the dairy industry throughout the pandemic. So what can you tell us about how June exports turned out? The June exports continued year-over-year -year growth, over 199,000 metric tons of uh, milk solids equivalent dairy products were exported during the month. This is 6% more uh, than last June and the value and was valued at over $670 million, which is uh, uh, an additional 15% compared to last year. With the June export data in, 2021 exports are on pace to set a volume record for the second year in a row and could actually challenge the record value set back in 2014. So total exports through the first half of the year are equal to 1.183 million metric tons. This is 13% uh, uh, higher compared to the first half of 2020. The value is estimated, uh, total value of 2021 exports through June are, are estimated to be $3.809 billion. This is also 13% more than the first half of, uh, of 2020 and only 3% behind the uh, total value for the first half of 2014, uh, which is, as I mentioned before, uh, the uh, record value export year set. Okay, so you usually provide us with some information on risk management programs. So what can you, what do those currently look like? Well, DMC continues to provide added benefit over the uh, first several months of the year. The June margin was announced uh, there at the end of July, at the end of July as six dollars and twenty-four cents a hundredweight. This triggers a three dollar and twenty-six cent per hundredweight indemnity at that the maximum 950 margin coverage and uh, that is equivalent to over it's about a $2400 per 1 million pounds of production history up to 5 million up to the 5 million tier 1 cap which uh, uh added adding this to the first 5 months of the year the total payment so far for 2021 is uh, uh $12,773 per 1 million pounds again up to that 5 million tier 1 cap and increases the total benefit for the year to $1.19 per hundredweight. The July margin will be announced after the USDA's ag price ag product price, prices report is released next week on August 31st. And on the dairy revenue protection side, uh, dairy revenue protection continues to set the class three and four price floors that are worth considering, even though they're still kind of pricey. Based on Friday, August 20, 20th closing prices, an average class three price floor of $16.58 per hundredweight could be set for the next to five quarters at a, an average cost of 32 cents a hundredweight. And on the class four side, class four floors can be set for an average price of or average floor price of $15.84. And this uh, will cost on average about 27 cents uh, for those, those five same five quarters. 
So currently, each quarterly price floor set is actually higher than the current five-year quarterly average for Class 3 and Class 4. So that's uh, why I say even though uh, uh, 27 cents or 32 cents, uh, 100 rate may sound expensive, they're worth considering because um, um, the uh, the quarterly prices are right now or currently are, are a lot better than the five-year quarterly average. Yeah, that's good advice, and that makes sense the way when you break it down like that. So let's just close with a few of the recent updates that we've received. Um, I know there have been some announcements and news surrounding upcoming COVID-19 relief payments. So what new details have you learned about those that you can share with listeners? Well, Emily, on August 19th, the USDA did issue a press release that announced their Pandemic Market Volatility Assistance Program. There's uh, several parts to this program, but uh, one that pertains to dairy is uh, there are, there has been $350 million set aside to uh, try to help reimburse farmers for uh, losses last year in the last half of last year. So this $350 million will go to reimburse farmers for 80% of the revenue difference per month. This payment is going to be based on fluid milk sales from July to December of 2020. July 2020 to December 2020. And the payment rate will vary based on actual losses on pooled milk. So what that says to me is that uh, um, depending on what your federal milk, the actual losses your federal milk marketing order um, had is is what the rate will be based on. So uh, federal order one uh, pay rate is likely to be different than the federal order 33. So payments, unfortunately, uh, a payment cap was made. Uh, it's 5 million pounds of annual production, or if you break that down on half a year, the, the payments would be capped at uh, based on 2.5 million pounds of production for that July to December time frame. Payments are going to be made through agreements when it, with independent milk handlers and co-ops. The, it's going to be administered by the Agricultural Marketing Service, or AMS, as you, as you may have heard it called. The AMS will contact eligible milk handlers to notify of, of the opportunity to enroll in this program for their uh, customers and, and members. And once that milk handler enters into an agreement uh, with AMS, the USDA will have 60 days to distribute the funds to that handler. And once the funds are received by the handler, uh, they will have 30 days to pay pay to its uh, dairy farmer customers or uh, co-op members. The payments will be automatic, so as long as your milk handler or co-op uh, enrolls in this program, uh, the, the money will be distributed to those uh, uh, dairy farms. So uh, basically, this is this is a way to partially compensate producers for the extremely negative. Uh, PPDs during the second half of 2020. No, it doesn't make everyone whole, but it is additional benefit that uh, will help cover some of those losses of last year. So that's really all the details we know on that program right now. There's, uh, as you can sort of hear from the explanation that's in the press release, it's likely to be a, a few months still before you see any of that money with just the logistics behind of getting all the milk handlers and co-ops enrolled in the program and, and then make figuring out what those actual losses are and then getting the funds distributed to the, 
the handler and then to the dairy farmer. So uh, there's still it'll still be some time before dairy farmers can expect to start seeing that payment, but uh, it 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 will be coming. Yeah, that's great news. Um, so I know there was also some changes to dairy margin coverage that were announced recently. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, the change was made uh, on the feed cost calculation, and specifically to the the uh, how the alfalfa hay price of the uh, uh, feed cost calculation is made. Instead of using the average price of mid and and high quality alfalfa like they do now, they're going to adjust that up to just the high quality alfalfa hay price. So rather than taking the average of mid and high quality, they're just going to use the high quality alfalfa price, which will which will represent um, a, a more accurate price to what dairy farmers are actually paying for dairy quality alfalfa hay. So just spot checking this on a few months that uh, um, that we've had so far this year that triggered an, an indemnity that uh, it looks like this change is going to decrease the DMC margin by around 20 cents a hundredweight. And so what that means is if it, in, if it decreases the margin uh, by amount, then similarly the the payment will increase by that same amount. So whatever it end up, ends up being for one month, the uh, payment for that month will be increased. And then a really good thing about this change is that uh, it's going to be applied retroactively to January 2020 and will continue through the end of the Farm Bill cycle in 2023. So just like the, the uh, uh, PPD payments, the Class 1 payments I just described, these payments are automatic for the DMC. Once the rules are final and, and published, a payment for the difference between the margins will be paid to uh, any producers that are currently enrolled in DMC or who were enrolled in 2020. So there's no need to go into your FSA office or anything and sign up for the uh, alfalfa uh, feed cost change prices. You will, once everything's final and all the rules are published, uh, you will be receiving that uh, like you normal, normally would from the FSA, either by check or, or a direct deposit. And unfortunately, there's still no details on, uh, on updating production history if a producer has expanded since 2014. But hopefully in the coming uh, uh, weeks, we'll, we'll have details on that and, and know when, you, when dairy farmers in those situations will be able to uh, increase their production history. And also, we should be knowing before, we should be learning for too long of when signups for DMC, the 2022 program year, will, will open. So uh, uh, looking forward to those changes as they're, I feel like they'll be very beneficial to dairy farmers, especially those uh, smaller dairies with less than 5 million pounds of production history that'll be allowed to increase their production history uh, for the remainder of the farm bill cycle. And then the last update I have on have regarding on COVID regarding COVID-19 relief is the dairy donation program. So really uh, just in the last uh, uh, day, um, uh, this this program had been announced and and is is part of a lar larger stimulus package bill. But the dairy donation program is uh, 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 the USDA has 400 million dollars to reimburse eligible dairy organizations that partner with nonprofit feeding organizations to donate and distribute dairy products. So uh, if a co-op or an independent milk handler uh, donates. Uh, cheese or, or fluid milk or something to a 
food bank, for example, they'll be eligible for a partial or or a reimbursement for the cost of, of uh, transporting that milk, processing it, and then getting it to its final destination. So this, this effort is to help clear the market of sur surplus milk and also, uh, more importantly, to prevent dumping of milk uh, uh, that there's no sales for. So this is providing not processors an opportunity to be able to still process that, process that milk get it to those uh, food insecure Americans that need uh, nutritious dairy products and and uh, keep dairy farmers from having to to dump that milk down the drain. So a couple of good programs coming up, a couple of good things coming up that hopefully will help keep uh, market conditions in better shape than what they were last year, Emily, and, and uh, that's what dairy farmers really need right now. Yeah, those are great updates, and I'm sure you will continue to keep us in the loop on those. So thanks again, Zach. Um, and for those of you who want more details about how to apply for the relief payments when, as the information is released and what you can expect from that program, we've actually invited some panelists to join us on a dairy industry conference call on September 14th at 12.30 p.m. And they plan to answer some questions about this new assistance program and what dairy farmers can expect from, from these relief payments. Our panelists are also planning to provide some insight on the new dairy margin coverage changes. So it should be an informative call. And if you have questions, you can send them in real time and we'll try to get them answered for you. So um, if you want to join us on that call on September 14th, you can write down this number. Make sure you dial 978-990-5000 and then enter the following access code 553371 followed by the pound sign. You can also visit www.centerfordairyexcellence.org slash events for more details about joining the conference call that day. So with that, we hope you'll join us then, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music so you get notified every month when we release a new episode. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you next month.